There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I'm joined by Bill Woodich. The topic is a topic that resonates with everyone. Today, we're going to talk about failure, our relationship with failure, and overcoming failure and adversity. After spending a year at a dead-end job with a foreclosed future, Bill Woodich created his renowned Always Forward Mindset and forged his way from the impoverished backwoods of Western Pennsylvania to create a multi-million dollar company, which he continues to lead today. He's an author of Always Forward and Fail More, a Wall Street Journal bestseller. The hard-won lessons he shares in his books and keynotes are designed to shorten the distance between where you are now and where you're determined to go in the future. Bill is the founder and CEO of the Woodich Group and founder and CEO of Bill Woodich Enterprises. Bill, I couldn't be more excited to be talking to you today about the topic that impacts everyone. Welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Danny, it's it's my pleasure and it's an honor. You know, I'm going to tell you something. My uh, It's going to be hard to shrink my head through the screen, okay? I know this is going to go on audio, but thank you for that, for that very kind, very kind opening. Yeah, well, you deserve that, Bill. And this is a topic that just impacts everybody. Mindset is the foundation of all our success. We talk about winning the battle between our ears. That six inches of space is so important and is what stops so many, so many people. Bill, you have an incredible story about failure and overcoming adversity in your own life. Can you please share your background and why you're so passionate about this topic? Well, you know, Danny, I was one of those people who um, took on a cause of being a rebel without a clue. And I came from a very authoritarian background. My father was a state policeman. My mother was a nurse. And it was a very strict, around-the-table, value-centered, disciplined upbringing. And and I was a a rebel without a clue. So, you know, my father always had us with short hair. You know, we had to have the crew cuts and we had to, you know, all those things. And when I could finally break loose from that, when I finally became of age to start to grow my hair and I started to smoke cigarettes and, and I started to drink. And I started to hang out with the locals at the watering holes instead of doing those things and, you know, in, in the way I was brought up with that structure and that discipline. And I found myself working in a factory. So when my friends went off to college because they had been students in this game of life and they had brought home their books and they had studied, I never opened a book. Made my way into that factory. First time I opened the door, smelled sawdust and lacquer. And I thought, what have I done with my future? I think I foreclosed it. I, I think that this is the rest of my life, punching three holes in a piece of wood for eight hours a day. And Danny, punching in, punching out, walking into the dark and into the even darker place in that factory. And the factory wasn't so much what it represented as a, a place for work. It's a place for noble exercise for some. But for me, it meant limits. It meant limits to me. And it meant the same thing every day. So that fear is where I started. And that fear came from rebelling, rebelling against authority, and just being a kid. Kind wow. of where it, where it began. <laughs> so, so when you were there in, in this yeah. factory, did you, you started to feel trapped. You started to feel worried that, like, this is what my life is going to be. This is what my life is all about. 
Yeah, I think one of the best things people can do, and I, I coach this, is to stay in touch with your pain. And really in that moment, there's going to be a moment where it's a crucible. It's going to be a defining moment in your life where you've got to be able to take in and do one thing, Danny, play it forward. And by that, I mean, think this pain I feel, this uncertainty I feel, is this going to be tomorrow, the next month, the rest of my life? That will create a gut level pain. If it doesn't, and there's comfort, then you're probably in the right place. But for me, standing there, doing the same thing every day, that it created such a pain and discomfort that it came time for one thing. And this is the difference between those people who will go forward, who are resilient, and will overcome and move through adversity and fear. It's this. Do I want to have regret? What does it feel like? What will I do? What's the bargain? What will I give up to get out of here and do something better? And when life demands the work, when life demands the mental toughness and the discipline, will you answer that bell? My answer from that factory floor is if I get a shot, I will answer every bell. Yeah, and you have. You've answered. You've answered every bell. So, so Bill, how do you go, how do you go from this factory to this in incredible entrepreneurial business where you're helping so many people and, and you're writing books and you're, you're doing keynotes. And I mean, you, I mean, you really went and it sounds like from, from kind of that like rags to riches, right. From, from just not knowing who you were and, and maybe lacking that confidence or, or, or that, that fear started to really turning it that into something incredible that is going to help so many people listen. How, how did that happen? What was that transition like? You just gave me a really good uh, metaphor, and I was thinking about this. From rags to riches goes back to rags if you don't keep in touch with what it is that got you there, the impetus, the, the fire, the desire, and it's got to be real. And there has to be an overarching reason, not just growing a paycheck or enhancing your lifestyle, but the reason for me was to be a, a, a beacon of increase for people to do those things in their life that I had struggled through. That as an object lesson, perhaps I could be that one who said to the kid in Chicago, the kid in India, hey, you can do this. Here's what it takes. If you can do this and you're willing to do these things, you can create something different in your life and for your life. But you know, I think we all need our allies and, and our people that can help us through life. And my parents gave me a shot. They said, we're going to give you one shot, one opportunity. And the window of opportunity, Danny, is always closing. You've got to be able to see it. You've got to be able to seize that opportunity. You've got to be able to move now. And they said, we're going to let you go to college. You're going to get the, the loans. At the time, they weren't quite as you know, draconian as they are today. Yeah, and you're, you know, you know, but if you mess this up, if you F this up, that's it. You're going back to the factory. I went through that window. I had to learn how to learn. I did the work. It wasn't easy, but little by little, I got better and better, and I fell in love with learning. And to this day, I'm a curious learner. The thing for your listeners to know, many, many of them most likely are, is that discovery, the quest, learning, doing those things, and learning those things that you can apply for increasing your life, that's the important journey you have to take every day. 
So, so Bill, tell us about the inspiration for the first book, Always Forward. What, what, what were the key foundational principles? Why did you write that book? And what are, what are the key takeaways? It's going to be an indictment of my company. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm an achiever. I have an achiever mentality. I get out of bed and my DNA says, go do something, create something, go engage people, go win hearts, influence minds. And in my company, not everyone had the same kind of DNA. So I would look around and there'd be a, I would be frustrated, Danny. I would say, why are my salespeople making files? Why are they not on the phone? Why are they not in clients' offices? Why are they not getting out there? Why are they doing business on the phone? Why are they withdrawing from the field of play? And that frustration led me to write a book that said, if you want to be successful, because so many people talk to me about success and how do you do this and how do you do that? Success is always under construction. So I wanted to write a guide, my personal mantra, my philosophy, along with real concrete steps to say, if you do this, if you have this level of activity, and if you think and you do with decisiveness, and if you move in the space of time to create opportunity, and you learn to walk away from bad positions and know this one thing, you can't do good business sitting on your ass. You got a shot to do things because a lot of people think but don't do or do and don't think. So always forward married seven steps along with one thing. If you want to go forward, you got to burn your boat. Do what the Greeks did. Do what the Spaniards did. Burn that boat. Get on the island and go forward always. Wow. That whole idea you know, and, and I've heard this said several times, you, you don't want to fall back. And this whole concept of burning your boat gives you nothing to fall back on. You, you want to fall forward. You want to fail forward. So always forward is more about uh, the pathway forward, the pathway to success. And fail more is about overcoming the fear of failure. It's about our mindset. It's about our relationship with failure. And so it sounds to me like the, the two concepts really go hand in hand because you can tell people in, in a framework of always forward, but if they're not confident, if, if, they, if they fear, if they're worried, they're never going to make that framework successful. And so am I right as I'm dissecting this and listening to you that the fail more concept was to help people really be more successful in the always forward model. 100%, 100%. You, you know, it's, it's I, I'm out there and very driven and very animated about move, move forward. But I, I really wasn't stopping to think, you've got to be able to embrace failure as a teacher. You know, it's the, it's the serious student of success that's going to find failure the indispensable teacher. And so I, I was probably pushing and I wanted to pull more. And I thought, if you walk through a bookstore, you walk through Barnes and Noble, and you see a book that says fail more, it's almost like the metaphorical middle finger sticking up in all of those success books. And before you can be successful, you know this, you've been through it, you're doing it now, you're moving forward like I am, and you're going to fail. Now, what do you do with that failure? Do you sit, do you avoid future failures? Do you say, this is my comfort level? Do you, do you move the bar up and then say, hey, I'm going to do a forensic examination rationally about why I failed. Try to put these things in play and I'm going to try it again. So that's what fail more is. You've got to fail more to become successful. There is no other way. It really with failure. You have to, 
your mindset and your relationship with failure has to be a positive one, right? It has to, you have to embrace failure. The, the tougher the situation, the harder the failure, the further you got to lean in and figure out. And oftentimes I found the obstacle is the way. The failure <laughs> is the way. The failure yeah. is the greatest teacher. So I want to ask you, you know, we're taught from an early age that failure is a result of a lack of innate ability. How can we begin to undo this idea that has been ingrained in our thinking? You know, I, I talk about this in the book and I open with this is that uh, I remember that big F that was splattered on the page in my math class that my teacher put down and then she stuck her, her finger in it and said, wow, that's a real F. And, and we're, we're often branded by grades and by this success quotient that our parents and our teachers and our friends voiced upon us that says, you know what, you're just not smart enough. Um, you can do all the work you want, but you're not going to get a better grade. You just don't have the mental ability to do it. So your IQ is going to limit you. And Carol Dweck, a Stanford researcher, found over a 20-year study that that's not true, that those people who have the willpower at the end of the time have a greater chance of success, even over those with superior IQ, because they didn't give up. They kept on the process they kept on the quest they kept going and that willpower was more important as future as a future indicator of success over iq we've got to break out of the box of what we're told we got to break out of the box that says you're not good enough you're not smart enough because that's bullshit it is bullshit there's a certain point where you got to be able to think and then you got to be able to do but iq is not as important to me as willpower in making it forward yeah, 100%. You know, one of the things you talk about this willpower and this mindset, hey, look, if you say you can't, you can't, and you won't. And, you know, from a very early age, my dad told me, and from a very early age, I've told my daughter and my son, you can do anything that you put your mind to, right? It's all about how, how far are you willing to lean in? How much are you willing to struggle? How, how hard are you willing to try? You know, and and so this concept, we, we, we are born with certain qualities, right? But there is no single destiny for us. And, and when we talk about, it's funny, in some of the research I've been looking at on this, talk about this battle between our ears, we've got like 70 or 80,000 thoughts a day going on in our mind. And for most people, more than 40,000 of them are negative. 40,000 negative thoughts. And it's got to begin with that. So Bill, we talk a lot about winning the battle between your ears. How can someone learn to stifle those negative voices that are saying you can't, you won't, you shouldn't? How does somebody do that? Let me drop back and, and say why those thoughts are negative because we're, our brain is trying to survive. The primary purpose of our brain is to, is to survive. So everything we do, does, we don't want to, the brain tries to keep us from putting ourselves out there. Doesn't want to be ostracized. And ostracized, you know, being ostracized is this. Hey, raise your hand in a class. Someone makes fun of you. I don't want to be cut out of that herd because then I'm subject to perish from the saber-toothed tiger. See, those vestiges follow us forward. So you got to understand the negative thoughts are part of our survival mechanism. And it treats fear as if it's danger. There's a difference, Danny, between fear and danger. You know, danger is imminent threat from man, insect, or reptile. But fear is that early warning protective system for danger, telling you where danger is, or it's that illusion we play forward in this florid landscape of worst case scenarios that have already happened to us. It's the brain. So first thing 
to go through you shouldn't, you couldn't, stifling that is to understand what it is. It's a protective mechanism. Okay, so it's irrational. Now you've got to get to the rational part of your brain and saying, what is really happening here? What is the source of this fear? Is this real? Is this going to kill me? Go forward. That's what I've always done. And I will tell you the key, you got to stay in touch with your pain. Man, the greater your pain, the greater your willingness to move and grasp something, no matter what the cost. There's a direct relationship between the pain of not having and that burning need to have something that will drive you forward. If you're comfortable, you ain't going to get off your ass. You're not going to change. You're not going to go through pain. You're going to withdraw from the field of play. So there's a couple of things you're unpacking there. One is why people don't take step forward, why, why they don't raise their hand in class, why they don't speak up in a meeting, why they don't, you know, try something new. Okay. So there's, there's that. But then there's also what, when you have done that and when you have achieved and you have had success, the idea of constantly putting yourselves in those positions to grow, in those uncomfortable positions to push yourself beyond the limits. And for me, that's the basis of our motto, commitment to excellence, right? Excellence isn't a destination. It's a place we can visit from time to time, but there's always a better way. And if we want to continue to add layers of greatness, we've got to continue to be willing to struggle. And it's like going to the gym, right? That resistance and that struggle is what makes us stronger. It's what builds muscles. Those are big things. So let's, let's unpack that first thing really quick. So the embarrassment, right? The, the, the fear maybe of being laughed at, the uncertainty, the, the self-doubt, all these things people need to understand. Like everybody has that. Like somebody right. might not, it's, but it's, it's how they're talking to themselves and that, that realization that is it a perceived fear or is there something that's, that's really fearful because you're not in immediate grave danger. This fear is about how you're going to be looked and everybody goes through that. Everybody feels that. And once we realize that and realize, well, if they're going through it and, and they can step forward, th then I can too. And that, that positive self-talk becomes so, so important. One of my, you know, it, go ahead. Know, if we could, if we could ever step out of the field of social judgment, we'd be much greater, we'd be much greater people. We'd be much happier because we're, we're so concerned with impressing others. And at the end of the day, you ask yourself this question, does it really matter? And what you're talking about is there's two buckets of fear we have, two major buckets. And one is the fear of loss. We don't want to lose something we think we have. We think we own that. That's uncertainty. And the other is change. And everything comes from that. And so loss would be shame. We don't want to stick out and be shamed by other people. So we'll just stay within the boundaries of the herd. And to me, as a rebel, and this is the one thing I want to circle back on, Danny, as a rebel, I now go back and channel that crazy high school kid that grew his hair and did things different, and I use it for a positive. I don't care what the herd says. I don't care what these people are saying. Does it feel right to me? Is it the right thing? Am I consistent and congruent from thought, word, and deed? And it's all governed by what we talked about earlier, creating something that other people can take 
and use for their advancement. Simple as that. So, so Bill, is that something that always came natural to you? Not worrying about what other people thought, not, not caring about that judgment, or is that something that you really had to work through? It's funny when I was, when I was uh, starting out in sales, an attorney said to me, is it still important for you to be liked by everybody? Would you jump off a building like just to be liked? And I said, you know what? I've moved a long way from there. And now it's important for me to be appreciated. I don't care if I'm liked or not. It's great if I'm liked. But if I'm not, I used to always respond to being liked. I used to always want to be overkill on the like part. I used to always want to do everything for everybody every time. And I wanted to, to have a standing ovation no matter what I did. And I, uh, I got tired of it. Eventually, I just got, I thought, wait a minute, what am I doing? And I pulled back and said, what is important? Understanding what's important to me is my source of happiness and it's not contingent upon another person applauding or not applauding. Because you can be, I want you to get this, this visual, and I coach this in my company. You do not want to be a puppet on the strings of another because the emotions you will ride will be theirs. And you think about this. You, here's another person holding the strings, and you're the puppet, they're the puppeteer. And, and they're dictating your emotional field by telling you you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not this. You have the scissors, reach up, cut the strings, you'll walk. You'll actually start flying. And, and I, I learned that. Don't let somebody else control your happiness, man. It's yours. Yeah. You, we, I, we talk a lot about you, gotta, you have the ability to drive your own car. And it's so important, <laughs> Bill. If you've got negative people in your life, if you've got a, a, a teacher telling you you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you've got a boss, if, if, if you've got a friend, you've got to eliminate those people from your life, right? Like, like the only person who can stop you is, is you. And, yeah. and, and you can't worry about what everybody else is doing. A few things you talked about is, is people, because I was one of those people. I, you know, to a certain degree, I mean, I, I care about what people think, but I really only care about people who are important to me and know me, uh, right? Yeah. That, that's where it becomes important. But as, as we take this, this step in this transition and some things that were, were big for me to get past this, this issue was one, being really clear, what's important to me? What is my passion? And then just really identifying what are my values? What are the core values that I'm going to operate under? And, and as long as I'm always operating under my values towards my passion, right? I got to be happy with that. that that's good enough. Um, and, and, and then you tune out all that noise. Another thing, and, and, and I was talking to, to one of our supervisors about this the other day. Hey, when people start taking shots at you, that's a sign you made it, man. That's a sign yeah. <laughs> that you're doing great things because there ain't anybody taking shots at a plane that's on the ground, right? There ain't anybody taking a shots at bird. You know, like when you're up there soaring and making things happen, those, those shots are going to come. I, I just wrote down a word as you were speaking before, and it was jealousy. So one of the things you're going to find is you start to, to gravitate and move beyond the herd mentality, the cul-de-sac of comfort. When you start to do that, other people are going to look around and go, don't, don't do that because you're making this look bad. And, and so when you start breaking free from the cul-de-sac of comfort and you start, you meet that devil at the next level where failure exists, that's where people are going to tend to withdraw, try to marginalize you. And I will tell you this as a takeaway. To me, there's three sources of advice. So be careful. When you, you mentioned this, and I think it's huge, you're working in consistent uh, application to clear values. You know your values. 
you know what you want, you're very clear, which a lot of people aren't, it's very murky, but you're very clear on your values and you're influenced, let's say, by people that know you, inner circle, you know? Jim Rohn said, you are the average of the five people you associate with the most. Be careful of those five people. But there are three sources of advice to me. There's the well-intended. I mean well, Danny, I'm gonna tell you, you should do this. When I hear the word should, I, I really shudder. I don't, it's a tough word for me. Uh, the malicious, Danny, you shouldn't do that because uh, you know I wanna see you F up and fail. And the ill-informed. Don't have enough info, but if it was me, boy, I wouldn't do that. All three of those, the well-intended, the malicious, and the ill-informed are simply giving their subjective advice on what you, quote, should do. If you stay clear with your values and listen as influencer, or the influencers to the people that know you, that's the way. Understand what's going on, and then that's the way. Listen to your voice. Awesome. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. So, Bill, I want to I want to dive into something that you talk about uh, quite a bit, and that is the difference. What's the difference between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset when it comes to failure? Fixed mindset is one that says I am only going to do these things that I know inside of this box, and I am going to try for the grade, the award, the promotion, and Everything I do is going to be innately fixed by my ability, and I'm not going to be able to move beyond this fixed mindset. So a growth mindset, it's very much so. You're living inside your box of what you think you know, and that's very important. What you think you know. You know, Plato was the wisest man in the land in Greece, and someone asked him once, how are you so wise? How do you know so much? He said, I know that I don't know, and that opened up the box. It opened up the doors. Because how can you ever learn anything if you think you know everything? Or you're unwilling to put your walls down and say, this could be something that, yeah, I could find value in. So that mindset is fixed. The other mindset is growth. And that's the one that says, I know that I don't know. That's the one that is subject to error, subject to say, oh, I was off on that. And I'm going to keep trying. I may not get there, but I'm going to keep engaging in this process. And that's a growth orientation. And that is where success lives. I talk about this in Fillmore. There's rowers, two rowers, Olympians. And one always set the bar for the day a little bit further than what he could do. And that's the way he became the top rower. Same way you talk about the gym. You want a real quick feedback loop on failure every day? <laughs> it's the gym. You push yourself to grow, you're going to fail a thousand times. Yeah, so a really important leadership lesson. So it, it being that the, the primary listeners to this podcast are leaders, people in a leadership position, people aspiring to be leaders, is to understand the struggle that's going on within all of us. If it's the job of the leader to take care of their team, it's really important right now that, that they pause this, that they write this down, that they remember this, the difference between that fixed mindset and the growth mindset. Right. And the leadership lesson is that your people are in one or the other. And if, if your team member is in that fixed mindset, there's an incredible leadership strategy to move them out of it. And that is the power of believing in someone. When we believe in people, when we see more in others than they see in themselves, 
we help them shatter that glass ceiling, tear down those walls around them, and really step and transition from that fixed mindset to the growth mindset. You know, confidence comes from two places. It comes from within. Some people just innately have that and the positive self-talk within, and they've learned all these strategies that you're talking about. They've won the battle between their, between their ears. Uh, but confidence always comes from without, and that whole idea of, you know, you're the you're the, the, the total of the five people you surround yourself with. But as a leader, you have so much potential to impact the transition from this fixed mindset to growth mindset. And there's, there's really no greater power than the power of believing in someone. What are your thoughts on that, Bill? I'm going to throw this back to you from a practical in the trenches standpoint. The first thing you do as a leader is leave your ego at the door. It's not about you. It's about them. 100%. Next thing is, the next thing you have to create an environment that is free from the tentacles of fear, meaning that people have to be encouraged to fail forward. Not ethical mistakes, but mistakes that are correctable and are not so much thinking mistakes after the third time. Also, you have to position your people to win. Some of your people may not be in the proper position because environment is important, but so is aptitude. And they have to be able to learn the skills to master the level that you require. And I'll tell you this, at the end of the day, it is great to believe in someone to a point, but the banks don't cash our intents, they cash our results. At a certain point, that person has to show you ROI beyond the subjective, beyond the activity, because we often confuse activity with results and that's how we go broke as a company. So we've got to have those people in position to win, Create an environment that's very fertile for them to grow and learn. Leave your ego at the door. And this is one of the most important things I learned is that people learn differently. So some people are readers. Some listen. So some of our top salespeople have to read what it is that you are asking them to learn. And others need you to speak that to them. And boy, once you learn that difference, how does someone learn? At the end of the day, you know, the best way they learn is by doing it. So you've got to put them in position where it's okay to fail. One really quick story. I had one of my top salespeople when he was a rookie say to me, what are we going to learn today? What are we going to, what are we going to fail at? What are we going to mess up? He was sitting in a client's office with me, waiting for the client to come in. And I said, why are you asking me that question? He said, because at my other company, we couldn't do this. We couldn't fail. We had to, we couldn't make mistakes. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, oh, we'll make them all, but it's not going to matter we end up getting the account. So you've got to learn that people are going to fail. There has to be an expected range of failure. And those failures have to be growth failures, not ethical failures. Yeah, no, 100%. And that, you know, another super important leadership lesson, we have to encourage our people to fail. So psychological safety is a big term that's being talked about right now. It's pillar one mm -hmm. in the seven mm -hmm. pillars of ownership that I've created and been writing about. And we have to create environments like we great organizations create cultures of change. Cultures of change is within that whole growth mindset. And we have to proactively say and, and set the expectation it's okay to fail. Talk about how we support each other through those failures, coaching, mentoring, always failing forward, right? Um, and then you have to really have that environment. Then you have to let those words meet your actions and you want yes. to create these incredible cultures yes. 
where when somebody fails, when they fall down, that it's not just a leader that's picking them back up, dusting yep. them off, giving them some encouragement, putting them forward. It's that team member standing next to them. And, and you differentiate it, it, it. Failure is fine. That's how we're going to grow. Yeah. Ethical failures are never okay. Like that, yeah. that that's not okay. And, and I like that separating those out. But you, 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 you know, like, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, the reason I love speaking with you is because the synthesis of thoughts creates all kinds of stuff. Like I'm just like a popcorn machine in my head right now. But you know, cultures change, so you got to make sure you're assimilating those people into your culture who have that type of a growth mindset because culture isn't fixed; it's an organism, just like the body. So if the body isn't going forward, Danny, you're going you're going to be obsolete. You're you're going to perish because nature does not support a vacuum you got to move forward you got to challenge things you've got to seek those those lessons from failure and when we say fail forward people will say what does that mean what does that mean i'll tell you what it means it means going in your conference room with people who are engaged in a task or engaged in this opportunity to say okay where did we mess up last time we missed this we didn't look at this what's our worst case what does winning look like what's our best case who do we need to get there? What tactics? Because this is our strategy. Now, where are we off? And you learn, you tweak, you learn, you tweak, and then you get closer and closer. And everything is different, but the same model, the same blueprint is always the same. That is how you fail forward. Yeah, one, 100%. Love it. Talking, talking about failure, growth mindset, uh, how to overcome that fear of failure with Bill Woodich, an expert in this field, has written the book, Always Forward, Fail More. Um, just some incredible, incredible, incredible stuff here. So, Bill, being successful is important for a company, right? I mean, failures can cost, can cost a good amount of money. What's an expected range of failure and, and how is this helpful when setting goals? You know, it's, it's funny because you said uh, uh, an expert in failure. You, you're damn right I am. I'm done. <laughs> mean it that way. <laughs> no, but sure. I own that. Uh, oh, yeah. I had some, man, I had some macros and some micros. But along the day, I'd probably do as long as I'm a little bit ahead. You know, sometimes I'm behind. But, but the expected range of failure is this, that so many people are stymied by the quest for perfection because, again, fixed mindset. They're told that you've got to do these things and A plus B will always, will always equate to C. It doesn't. Life doesn't come at you in a linear fashion. You know this. It comes at you in weird, strange ways, obliquely. So expected range of failure means if I put myself in play, I got to understand that I might not get all of this. I might get some of this or that I might just completely fail. That's expected at a certain point. You've got to expect some failure because I think it's more important, and I think most of your listeners will agree, to do something, get in play. Because again, most people aren't going to. They're held back by that brain's capacity to keep you in that comfort zone where you won't be ostracized. You won't be penalized. A saber-toothed tiger ain't coming out of that conference room going to bite you in the derriere. <laughs> Just get in play. I'll give you a good one. Custer went off without thinking. He just did. Ran, ran off into a valley that did not end well. You got to be able to think, but then follow it up with a decisive action. Huge, huge, huge. And there will be some failure along the way. Just learn from it. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and go forward. So much 
of success. And people, people don't realize, like people overcomplicate everything. Just showing up and getting in play is so much of success. That's a walk-off right there. You can close it right there. Boom, boom. All right, thank you for joining us today. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you know what? The, and the last one is this. You show up prepared, woo, you win. Wow. There you go. Wow. So there, there's so much power and you hear this and it's so simple, but when you go, you pay, you know, $500 to go to a course, hundred dollars to go to a course. And, and the person on the stage is all in this realm is always talking about the power of taking the first step. Once you take the first step, you take the second step, you start to have some successes, small successes, you start to build momentum. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah. The other thing you talk about being prepared, go ahead, Bill. If you got something, go no, ahead. Jump into that. No, no. And, and again, I'm playing with what you're saying because I'm going back and forth on this synthesis. You know, so many people seek help and they're seeking guidance and, and, they're, and they're studying and they're looking for something in a book and they're looking for something in another speaker. And the answer is inside of you. There is an ember inside. All we can ever do as speakers is to stoke that ember. You know, yeah. fan that flame and let it, then it's up to the student to let that flame grow into a big conflagration. That's probably a bad analogy to use with the fires in California where I live, but that's the, that's what burns your path forward. Yeah. You know, that you straight on, man, show up, show up prepared. You win. <laughs> show up, get in the game. So up. you, you talk about the word prepared. And so I, I gotta, I gotta insert this right now. Cause it's another incredible leadership and success lesson. You, you have in the words of Stephen Gower, who, who is just an incredible thought leader. I've seen him present many times on different topics. You have to pay the preparation price, right? When you pay the preparation price, the, the uncertainty and the doubt and the fear yeah. of failure start to diminish because you're prepared. And then the second thing in this formula that I've created based on that is preparation plus opportunity equals success. You never know when opportunity is going to come your way. And my career has been full of this. But if, if you're not prepared when that opportunity comes, you have no idea when another opportunity will come. When I was coming up through the ranks of the police department, there, there were sergeants there that it took 15 years for them to be sergeant. Yeah. It, it, five years, this opportunity came. You pay that preparation price. You 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 got to use these strategies you've talked about. This growth mindset, the, the the way we talk to each other is so important. And you have to take advantage of that opportunity. If you don't take advantage of the opportunity, it might be a year, five years, ten years. That opportunity may never come again. So that being prepared, such a big big deal. Yeah, great point. Especially during COVID, people ask me, "What do you do during this time?" You know what you do? You sharpen your skill set. You keep working on your skill set. You keep working. That's what you're talking about. 100. You've got to be prepared because, you know, a, a client of mine who's, um, who was extre did extremely well, I said, what's your key to success? He said, you know what? The opportunity is a window. It's always closing. You got to be able to be, go through that window and, and grab what's out there and you got to be ready to do it. And you're talking about being prepared. Boy, grow your skill set, man, because you're going to create opportunities. Other ones are going to become visible and you've got to be ready to meet the challenge. You've got to be ready to meet the challenge. So many people get off the line and they pull back during this time and say, you know, I can just rest. No, success doesn't, you can't rest on success. It, it's always under construction, 100%. And you know what I learned at Penn State? 
I got my master's in what uh, in public administration, and I wanted to do what you're doing now, right? City manager. I, it wasn't in my skill set, trust me. But I learned this: prior preparation prevents piss poor planning. And there's my lesson from Penn State. I spent a lot of money for that one, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that's all I got. Oh man, good stuff. Good stuff. I love it. I love it. So, so let me ask you this question: What do success stories like those of Michael Jordan? Elizabeth Gilbert, Mark Cuban have in common when it comes to failure? You know, really things that are germane to all of us. Like Cuban says, hey, you don't gotta find the perfect job. Just just keep finding jobs, do something. You'll find eventually something that meets the skill set that you like, that you're, you're able to do. Even if you don't like it, take a job, just get in play. You talked about this, get in play, get engaged. Uh, Gilbert said, I was trying to write books commercially, but I, I missed my center. And my center is I love to write. So find those things you love to do within the context of your work. And I, I learned this from a, a friend of mine. You've always got to be able to assign your meaning, what is important to you, to every task you're doing. You might not like the task, but you've got to be able to assign your purpose to that task. Meaning this, I don't want to make those calls today, but you know what? I'm creating a difference in my life for my loved ones, creating a better school system, better lifestyle. I'm creating that. And then I can focus on what that task means. It has to have meaning to you. So that's where I learned from the greats. We all put on our, you know, clothes basically the same way. We all have those fears. We all have competing fears. We've just learned to deal with them. We learned to deal with fear for what it is. And we learned to deal with failure for what it is. And most of the greats embrace failure as the way forward. It, it draws me to this statement. Failure makes winners and champions stronger. Failure makes winners and champions hungrier. Yep. Right? Wow. Great one. Great one. Such a big, such a big, big deal. And we talked about it earlier. You cannot develop strength. You cannot yep. develop resiliency without resistance, without challenge. And, and when we look at, especially now during COVID, and we look at these challenges we face and, and really sharpening up our skill set and preparing, we have to view challenge for what it is. Challenge is opportunity. And the greater yes. the challenge, the greater the opportunity. And I tell you what, there's a lot of companies, businesses, and individuals capitalizing on this amazing yes. opportunity right now during COVID. Yes, 100%. This is the opportunity. So, you know, for us, we had, a, we had the, the initial question, what do we do? Do we sit in this stasis of not moving or do we become dynamic and take action? Well, the company ethic, the company ethos is to take action. And that's what we did. We took action. We, we, did, we took certain steps to protect our employees because, remember, people don't deal well with uncertainty. So we wanted to give them certainty. We didn't lay off. We didn't terminate. Uh, we put every we, we made moves to everyone went remote, and from there, giving them that certainty, they were able to then export that to our client base. That was huge for us. Yeah, that that brings something, and it's fun talking with you and just kind of jamming back and forth. And like you said, that popcorn going off inside the head. Um, <laughs> but but something we we talk about all the time, and it's one of the the values and things that guides us is the best way to predict the future is to create it. Hey, look, Absolutely. You can't change what happened yesterday. We can learn from it. But the best way to predict the future is to create it. And people right now, you, 
right? Real champions and winners are creating their future. They're shifting, they're adjusting, they're staying in growth mindset and and they're doing that. One of the things I want to talk about, then I want to see if we missed anything that, that you didn't get to share today is this concept of fear of man. And so this is a huge thing for leaders because oftentimes leaders, so we, we talk about service and, and leadership, so not about being in charge, it's about taking care of those in your charge. It's always about our people yeah. who make decisions in, in their best interest and caring and all these, those, all those things, foundational principles of leadership. But what often gets lost and what will destroy otherwise great leaders and, and what stops organizations from becoming great is a lack of accountability. Servant mm-hmm. leadership isn't, isn't a soft on leadership no. type of approach, right? And so this accountability is so important. What, what stops people from accountability and what destroys so many cultures and teams and organizations is that fear of man. That yeah. fear that if you step forward and if you have this yeah. conversation with somebody, you're not going to be liked anymore. And Brene Brown, I love her stuff, and she talks a lot about you got to have courage over comfort. But I just want people yes. to know we all experience that fear of man. We all want to be liked. We're all, you know, as, as human beings, we're, we're supposed to be in packs and in groups and, and all those things. But people respect what's hard. And when we let that fear of man overcome us, and we become a pushover and we're walked on and yeah. we don't hold the lines of accountability, we actually lose the trust, the confidence, and the respect yeah. of not only our team that's watching it, but of yeah. the person that we're worried about judging us or not liking us in some way. You want to add any thoughts to that? You can never give up the sovereignty of self. You have to maintain self-respect. No one will respect you unless you respect yourself. And there is a way to deliver news in the vehicle that separates an emotional attack on a person from the objective lesson that needs to be learned. And I've always been able to separate the personality, the person from the product or the process, unless it is the personality of the person. And then we have to have a way of approaching them that is non-threatening to them. But there's a way of discourse. There's a way of communication. It's an art and it's one you need to learn and apply. But you've got a great point with that because we have a fear and we, want, we end up being vague. And anytime you're ambiguous in anything, it's always found against you. Whether you're drafting a letter, whether you're communicating, the meaning is always determined by the listener or the reader. Yeah, and I, and I challenge people to, to reframe and reshape uh, what they consider to be uh, negative communications or awkward moments of this creation yeah. of fear of man to say, if your job as a leader is to really help your team members reach their full potential, then when you're having this positive mm-hmm. conversation, it should be a positive conversation of coaching, mentoring, and all those things, right? When you're, when, when, uh, when you're having these things, um, you're actually helping people reach their full potential. Yes. It's yes. caring enough. It's caring enough. So, Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Are there, are there any nuggets, anything that, that we haven't covered that, that you want to leave us with? I'll tell you where we're going to do it. I'm going to have you on the Unstoppables, and we're going to spend an hour, and we're going to only get through about one-eighth of them together because you're going to throw some stuff to me that's going to blow my mind, and then I'm going to just try to bat it back to you as best I can. I'm going to leave you with this one when it comes down to, try, to being hard on yourself. That the quest for perfection, right? The quest for perfection is a zero sum game. You're never never going to be perfect. That's not life. And so good is really 
the thing that we have to aspire to be in everything we do, because perfect is the enemy of good. And the best we're ever going to be as humans is good. It's okay to blank up. It's okay to mess this up. It's okay to do, be okay on yourself, forgive yourself, get out there, learn. And that's the only way, the only way you will advance through life is always forward. Bill, thank you so much for joining us today. You've Amen. added so much value for our listeners. I can't wait to come on The Unstoppables. If you haven't checked out The Unstoppables podcast, please do that. Wow, such a great I could, conversation. I could spend another two hours, three hours with you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mindset, to our listeners, mindset's the foundation of our success. Our relationship with failure, the way we see failure is something that most of us have to reframe if we're going to reach our full potential and generate just incredible, incredible impact. We, in the words of Denzel Washington, we have to fail early. We have to fail often. We have to fail forward. If you want to learn more about Bill Woodich, check out his best-selling books, Always Forward and Fail More. They'll help you shorten the distance between where you are now and where you're determined to go in the future. Bill can be found on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and his website. The direct links to these things are all going to be in the podcast description. To our Apple listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to give us a rating. Consider leaving us a review and sharing the Leadership Excellence podcast with your network. That will allow us to reach and help more people. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, always be committed to excellence.